Imagine a world without waste. Imagine if you can make products and packaging right every time. It's possible with the help of SpecRite, the first cloud-based platform for specification data management. You can track and report on material usage year over year, run LCAs with the click of a button, and comply with new packaging regulations like EPR and the UK plastics tax. Go to specrite.com backslash sustainability to learn more. Hey, thanks, Laura. Everybody, please also go check out Spectrite's podcast, Beyond the Shelf with Laura Foti, F-O-T-I. It's a wonderful podcast, again, about packaging. There's so many cool content creators out there, and Laura is certainly one of them. Also, we'd love to have you come and check out the Specrite Packaging Specifications Summit in Austin, Texas, January of 2024. I will be there along with Corey Connors, host of Sustainable Packaging with Corey Connors and Avelio Matos host of Packaging Unboxed podcast. Laura will be there. There There's so many folks who are there in the packaging industry. It is a tremendous, tremendous time and a great place. Again, all these links will be down in the show notes, including joining myself, Corey and Avelio, every single Monday morning on LinkedIn and on YouTube for Packaging Today. We break down the news, but we also have fun, tell jokes, Uh, We enjoy each other. It's a building and blossoming community there of packaging people. And everyone is a packaging person. Everyone is a packaging buyer. And everybody is welcome on the Packaging Today show. Again, click the link. You can get notified on it on LinkedIn or on YouTube. And the packaging community continues to grow with my next guest. Let's get right to the interview. Hey, everybody. I am joined here by my new friend, uh, Michael McDonald. Michael and I are going to have a riveting conversation about a, uh, how'd you describe it, Michael? A polarizing, potentially polarizing topic? Yeah, I would say it's potentially polarizing. I mean, it's it's creating a lot of fear in the industry, like for, for a lot of good reasons. And I'm just trying to give a little bit of an alternative take on it, how to embrace it a little bit more than what's being uh, with my fellow creators are kind of like up in arms the most part, and pretty scared. And of course, we're talking about Alan Iverson, um, the uh, one of the one of the great uh, basketball players of all time, AI. Uh, Michael is the uh, partner. Is a partner or the partner? There's a distinction. A, a partner. I'm one of one of three. Okay. He three amigos. Yeah, he's. Uh, what was that like? Yeah, there's that. Uh, Akroyd, the movie, and yeah, with the three amigos. Yeah, uh, he is he is a partner at Exhilarate, and uh, we're going to learn all about his background and what it is that he's doing and why he's so passionate about um, design and, and specifically packaging design. So, Michael, welcome to the People of Packaging show. I know from our pre-call, uh, we don't really know where this is going to go, uh, but it's going to go somewhere amazing. That's all I believe. Fingers crossed. Yeah, no doubt. Well, why don't you just do a quick intro, Michael, and tell the listeners a little bit of background on who you are, where do you live, how'd you get into design and art and, and all that stuff? Sure. I've been, uh, I was born, raised, bred, and educated in the city of Philadelphia, which uh, isn't doing so well right now with the violence. But besides that, it's a pretty interesting kind of big but small town. Uh, most people either bypass it for either like New York, San Francisco, Chicago, et cetera. But it's a, a, a tight-knit creative community. And uh, we kind of put it, wear a chip on our shoulder. We kind of have like a, 
a grudge, kind of, I guess, the Rocky Balboa kind of vibe. It's kind of true, and it's part of the ethos and kind of the culture here, even amongst creatives, and it transcends creatives. could be the cops, could be the, the teachers, the lawyers, et cetera. Um, and uh, I went to school here at Temple University, Tyler School of Art, graduated, I believe, in 91. Probably like, it's probably like the Stone Age. <laughs> um, and I've been working in design ever since and had several agencies, worked for several agencies, worked on my own, did probably everything under the sun. And then uh, working with a, a couple of the two partners I met uh, were friends first. And one was a photographer. One was it with another agency in New York City. And we decided, hey, let's let's make a go at this. And let's keep it. We want to stay small. We had no ambitions of being some large agency that was going to be bought out and go public. Uh, and we wanted to like kind of do our best to pick our own destiny and, and, and where we want to go, what we want to create, who we want to work for. And it's had its challenges and still does, and but it has its rewards as well. We get to wake up when we want to wake up. If we want to work all weekend, we work all weekend. If we want to take off for a week, we take off for a week. So it gives us the flexibility to do whatever we want on our, our, our real lives other than like having to like clock in clock out. Yeah. Was, was part of uh, your real life booing Santa Claus. That's what I want to know. Were you part of the uh, Philly? No, I mean, that's, uh, I threw, I threw a couple batteries. I never booed them. <laughs> what, what was that story about? I just remember it was like, yeah, but Philly fans, they booed Santa. Yeah, every time there's something at a Philly event, it could be a Philadelphia Eagles game or a Flyers or a Phillies game or a Girl Scouts game. Like, throwing the batteries at Santa Claus always comes up. And I wasn't there for that. If I was before my time, that might be in the early 80s, I'm guessing. But, I mean, it's kind of like an infamous sort of legendary sort of story that's told over and over on every broadcast of the World Series and – Oh, let's like, let's not hope they have any batteries. They 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 like for you know they stole the batteries at the gate and won't let them in. Got that and then those sort of things. And and some of it's true and some of it's not. If you come here, you're a fan of any any sport or anything. You're 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 welcome to open arms. But if you act like a fool, like we had the Minnesota Vikings come in a couple years ago when we won the Super Bowl, and they're like throwing a Vikings jersey over the Rocky Balboa statue on. Uh, they have this big fictional, you know, Rocky Balboa, right? It's, it's not even a real guy, some some fake character they made up, but that's kind of Philly legend. Well, you get like draped them with the Vikings clothes at like, and they're doing their chant and all that. And they were come, they came to our town acting all ignorant, and they walked home. You know, they went home with their heads up. That'd be a long uh, walk back to Minneapolis, but yeah, yeah, it was, and they got destroyed, and that was kind of the, that was great. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I mean, you're certainly not lacking for passion in, in Philly, that's for sure. Um, so I want to get back into your story a little bit because there were some things that I thought were interesting to uncover when we first spoke. So you were you were documenting how, you know, you said you think you graduated. I love you. are like, I think I graduated college in 91. Um, so, you know, early 90s, we'll call it. Uh, and and you were able to see as a designer the evolution of the internet and the impact that the internet had on design and you're kind of bringing that perspective to this to this next wave of innovation which is ai so maybe take us back to 
that time when you're a designer and the, the internet is kind of starting to disrupt the, the industry a little bit. Um, walk, walk us through what that was like. Yeah, well, I probably graduated the wrong time during that period because just as I was graduating, computers were becoming the thing, you know, the Apple. Like, I believe that there was PageMaker and Quark just came out. And a lot of the agencies at the time were adopting that as part of their tool set of how you actually build, you know, uh, there was no websites at the time, but, you know, brochures and packaging design. Everything was evolved around Quark and, like, uh, Atlas. I believe it was Atlas Freehand, maybe, and... PageMaker and Quark, and I had zero experience in computers, so I graduated putting my portfolio together by hand, right? Everything was but like Frisket and then rub off type, and then we had a stack camera that took black and white photographs and manipulated with watercolor to do your mock-ups. I don't even know they're called mock-ups then. I forget the terminology, but that's I went out with a portfolio that was like put together, uh, and I put a lot of time into the craft of putting together, so it was precise. Everything was clean. The folds were perfect. Everything was done by hand for uh, a, a student that was uh, graduating at the time. And I went out, I couldn't find a job for the first three months. I was like, oh, yeah, that's computer experience. So I had to go back. Then I had to go to the University of the Arts at the Graduate College School of Art and get certified and spend six to nine months learning Quark and freehand, which I did. Uh, and it took another three months to figure out, okay, I get a job doing this. I can actually have a career. I was kind of concerned at the time. Um, Got a job at Bally's Casino, Lang City, used to drive down every day, worked in the advertising department for the casinos, had a great time, great experience making really good money. And then that gig dried up or went away. And then I found myself like freelancer for a while and then working at various design studios, like the kind of story you hear from every designer. They, you know, they, they pop around, they knock at every door begging for crumbs until they find a place they find home. Then they find a home, then they find out they're no longer wanted, they move on. You know, it's kind of the name of the game. And it, it took me a while to get my footing. Um, I would say it took a good 91 to 99, it took eight years to the internet kind of emerged. And I said to myself, I'm learning how to write code. I, I started like building AOL style websites, stuff that I thought was like not even good enough to be designed, but just learning it. And, and embraced it and engaged in it and made a lot of money during that time before the bubble for for five years was the most money I ever made in my life because like people couldn't do it hmm. they came to like i was this young a still young kid and they're like i was the expert all these people that had 30 40 years experience that had agents had no clue like oh the internet's not we're, we're no one's going to advertise on the internet all right let me just jump in here real quickly because this is super exciting uh, my wife and I and our kids came out with this book, Packaging Peaks in the Sticky Situation. It took us a couple of years to write. We spent a lot of time in illustrating and all that. It's finally out. It's available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and at mascotbooks.com. There's a link down in the show notes that you can click. We wrote it because I was trying to describe to my kids you know, what it's like. And there's all these children's books out there about various different industries and about various different jobs. We wanted people in our industry to have a book to be able to relate to their kids with. So go pick it up, please. It would mean so much to support us. Packaging Peaks in the Sticky Situation on Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Let's get back into this interview. No one's, it's, it's, it's a weekend hobby. That was kind of how it was portrayed. Right. I knew they were all wrong because like I was watching brick and mortars, one store going down at a time. We're talking like the early now late nineties, two thousands. 
So I had a lot of fun. I'm still still working a lot on the web. And then all of a sudden this uh, over the last couple of years, I'd say at least within the last year, the AI uh, head has emerged out of the dark murky waters. And I'm like, hmm, what's this all about? So I did my research, looked into it for like a good six months before even attempting to do anything with it at all. Just understanding, is this going to be real? Is this a trend, a fad? How's this going to affect my work, my industry's work? How's this going to affect the world? And I focused on a couple applications following them. And uh, I decided I picked one, which was mid-journey. So for the last year and a half, I learned how to become what, what's now called a prompt. I could become a prompt engineer if I, if I, if I decide to leave. My partners kick me out and I'm thrown on the streets. Uh, I won't be a creative director or art director. I'll be a prompt engineer. Hmm. Uh, that's where all the money is going for people like it, like the, the lost souls, like myself anyway, I think that I can, I can find something that I actually like and make good money and have a, you know, raise a family and potentially have enough for retirement. Okay. Um, so I, I was trying to find this book because you described something, I think it was by Michael Lewis. Um, and I can't remember which one it was, but you, you described a phenomenon that he wrote about um that it was it was it was next the future just happened it was written in 2001 so right around the time you know you were you were really diving in and and learning and building on the internet and he he talks about how the social dynamic flipped during that time where younger people now possess the knowledge and the skills and the tools of this emerging technology that was flipping the world on its head and the internet and the and that younger kids i mean there was a story and i i want i believe it was this book but there was a story because you're, you're talking about it of a kid who knew nothing about stock trading but knew but figured out if he went on to these you know these yahoo finance boards that he could talk about a stock as though he were he knew what he was doing and that he could then go and wait and sell the stock because it would go up and he just or like a lawyer who became the highest rated lawyer on like lawyer.com for answering questions. But he was a 14 year old kid because he just knew where to go get information. It's a fascinating book. I think it's that one. But this idea that when the internet is emerging and you're learning it and you know, that was, that was a way to make money. Do you see that now? I mean, as, as a mid journey, what do you call a uh, prompt, a potential prompt engineer, right? Uh, the stuff that you've learned in mid-journey, do you see it the same impact for, you know, let's just say packaging design. It's a packaging podcast, right? So the same kind of impact that it had on packaging design and packaging designers as the internet did. I, I think it, I think this is our second greatest thing, like in my lifetime, like like the thing that saved me from the abyss of becoming like this, uh, you know, minimal wage designer at the time. It really didn't matter, as as you know, or maybe you don't know, but in, at least in the East Coast, Philadelphia area, there was like a pecking order, a totem pole. You had like build yourself up, like yeah. from like, oh, I'll go get your coffee and like I'll design your cousin's wedding's logo for you, right? But I won't get a real project. You gotta have to earn it. Like they they put this thing in place to make you work for it. Uh, well, that that was that's was true, and the, the whole internet thing let me bypass that whole ladder and just jump to the top. Uh, and I thought for, for me and for a bunch of my peers that were involved in the internet, I thought it was really not only great, but it was really exciting. 
And then you had Adobe Flash, and that was incredible, right? And you had this, this, this ride where you're doing really creative, explorative work uh, on the digital side. But there's a lot, there's much opportunity for a lot of people who didn't even have full college degrees. They could have just went in for a year, but been really talented. You have to have on your resume, oh, I have a six-year degree from Harvard Design School, right? Uh, you didn't need all that that fluff to get the job. You just did it with like your pure talent and creativity where you would land a job. Well, that's been absorbed and kind of it worked its way back to like the normalcy over the last couple decades where you had to know the internet, you had no packaging, you had no print, you had to be kind of like a, you know, a five tool hitter, right? You had to know a little bit of all to make it at least be dangerous to get a decent job. And then all of a sudden AI comes around, particularly with the design aspect with ideations and creating conceptualization. This is the second, this might be the last thing I see in my lifetime to be life changing uh, from a creativity standpoint, from a job perspective. Again, you could be a high school kid, graduate high school, and have to go to college. If you know how to really, if you're a creative person in your head, you can think conceptually and you can write the stuff out and understand the technology. I mean, you can create some incredible looking package, example packaging ideas that you can never in your wildest imagination come up with something for like a shoe box or Nike shoes that it's translucent with like metal, metal in infused into the packaging, right? Some crazy concept, maybe it's not even feasible to develop, but conceptually that's what like companies like, if you're in a package design and you want to work, hey, I would love to work for Nike as kind of like a gold star, they will put that in your portfolio or say, this is how I think. You tell me that that's not gonna help you get a job over to 5,000 other people or like, oh yeah, I, I can do a, I know about blue lines or red lines and I can I can mock this up and I understand the, the the properties and the materials being used. This like it, it makes you look like you know, like prom science, like the the engineers from Ridley Scott's movie. Uh, what was that movie? That movie? Who was that? Not Alien, and the one Pr Prometheus. The engineers that actually created that you become that prompt engineer. And you're you become godlike, and it's just incredible what you can do with it. Mid Journey is just one of them. I find it to be the best for creating the actual visual assets. Some of the other tools have better interfaces, et cetera. But yeah, I think it, it is the future. It's and the future is now. I I mean I I agree. Um, a little uh, you know maybe this is where kind of the polarizing nature of of the topic comes in because I'm I'm probably I would have been the person on the internet not saying like oh this doesn't have a lot of you know use case or anything like that, but that there there are there are always potential negative implications to certain technological advancements always right there's because we put them in the hands of people and people by and large do good things and we do bad things and um history is obviously full of that so i'm on the like i don't know there's people who create ai who are saying we gotta pump the brakes a little bit on it you know what i mean because we're not sure how it could go if it could if it could run too crazy you know i mean you've got the conspiracy theorists and like the irobot you know will smith folks i'm not there but i'm just like i see the utility of it specifically from something like packaging design or as a designer where it will create what you can think and so you're only limited by your creativity and your ability to, you know, to engineer the the prompt into whatever the whatever the application is, 
I love that. I think it's incredible. Do you ever, I guess maybe, do you ever get any pushback from either brands or companies or individuals who say, yeah, but what what's what's the downside to this? Oh, there's a lot of downside. I mean, there's a lot of, and I, I'm, I'm scared. I'm not naive or thinking like, like, but what, particularly with the design aspect of it, it's a great thing. The other aspects of AI, like the whole like Terminator Skynet is really scary. And that's what they're trying to pump the brakes on, like some of that stuff. And beyond misinformation or disinformation on Facebook about elections or whatever, you're going to have like, realistic it'll be it'll be you they'll have you in your podcast studio talking about like you know oh yeah Stan walker ranch just went nuclear and um you know because i know we were talking about earlier that's an inside joke people don't know we're talking about skinwalker ranch where uh you're first thing he asked me when he finds out i'm in utah he's like what do you have you, do you know about skinwalker ranch i was like i have no idea what you're talking about and now i now i'm watching the show and it's it's interesting, but continue on. Yeah, that's the deep fake. Yeah, well, you have that thing. Like, well, what happens if this gets in the wrong hands and they start manipulating the information and then be beyond stealing people's identities, like making likenesses of you, voice, sound, like the way you're afflecting your voice. They're like talking to the CIA about your neighbor and you need to get them like they're and having people eliminated. It's it's crazy. And the computers just and then what happens when the computers say, hey. You know, thanks for creating us, but we no longer need you guys, us guys being the humans. It could be our end. It could be the demise of humanity. If we haven't screwed things up already, we won't have nothing to worry about. Adults look at us and say, you guys are the parasites. We are the parasites. We're the ones destroying the planet. And then, well, I mean, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's that's a whole different conversation altogether. But that's the scary part where, you know, all of a sudden the AI is taking over nuclear codes and say, hey, uh, you know, I don't like the way Panama's been like treating the people in the canals. Like, let's just let's just nuke it. And you know, the U.S. sends one. Maybe someone in China and a missile gets launched, and no one knows how it's launched. And actually, you know, we're at full war. You know, with you know, we just blown each other up. It, it that that's it's scary. Yeah, yeah. So I think that that's the you know that that's kind of the natural place that people go with the concern. But probably in the middle, because that is, that should be concerning. We should be worried about nuclear elimination of humanity. But so, somewhere, uh, you know, towards the less extreme is people who are worried about, you know, say say it's a designer who just says, well, I guess I saw somebody say we we shouldn't be using AI to take away human creativity. And I would push back, and I'm guessing that you would push back and say. Maybe, of course we shouldn't, but it, it really accentuates human creativity, not so much restricts human creativity. It, it, would that be a fair way to say it? Or how would you respond to that? Yeah, well, I, 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 don't, I don't rely on it for everything. I mean, I'm still basically dabbling with it. We don't have not all like to get back to our clients. Not all of our clients have our hands up requesting it. Like we want we want you to use AI and we need an AI assistant to help you better project manager they really don't know they don't understand as much as everyone else doesn't if i purely use it for ideation right and coming up with visuals and ideas that i i mean it's like it's almost like i'm dreaming when you're when you're creating this and it's not just you're not just text prompting you may already have a concept a tissue sketch of some sort right could be for a package could be for a logo could be for a brochure could be for some um concept on how to communicate 
And whether you're doing that tissue, literally you're old, old school, you still have the, you know, the, the old school pencils or using rapidographs, or you're actually literally sketching with your iPad or your, your, uh, your computer and you have these rough ideas, right? Logos, branding, packaging. And then you, you, you import that into like uh, a software platform like Midjourney. And it takes your image and then you write text prompts over and it merges them together to come up with mm. things that you can never imagine. I mean, I, I don't care how I, I put my, when this destroyed my ego, it made me really humble. It humbled me more than I've ever been humble in my life to know that, wow. And then next thing you know, with all my prompts and all my ideas I've been putting in over like the last year, the AI is almost understanding. It's almost becoming me. It's crazy. Like I'll, I can use like four or five words and I'll basically put out exactly what was in, it was like reading my mind because it understands my tendencies, my style, the look and feel I'm going for it and understands my vocabulary. I don't know how it's all working. I don't, um, you know, it's above my pay grade, but I can tell you it's becoming more like me or more like the way I would think. And when I throw it a curveball and I do it once in a while, it, it, it screws it up. It's like, well, wait a minute. Like it almost like it's looking at me like I'm on drugs. Like, are you sure? This is like, it's like spinning something out. I'm like, I mean, that's not remotely what I want. And it's like saying, are you sure this is what you want? It's not really saying that, but you can tell it's thinking that on some level. But the ideation process to create things I never thought I would, I, I, you could do if you're in a dream, if you're in a deep dream and you wake up and you want to write that idea and you never get it quite the, like you had this really cool idea and a thought and try to draw it, shot it down, you just can't get it. This mm -hmm. delivers that. So if you want a concept ideation and, and you want to incorporate it and then now we're doing it with some packaging design too, it like labels for a beer company. Like, like we, we, we get the, the beer company involved in come and come the concept. Like we're one's based in Jersey and what we had a, just did a theme where they want to incorporate the farmers into it. So they gave some basic direction and myself and another designer, we inputted some text. We, we did what's called photo bashing. You get like a, we got a tractor on a farm, you know, cutting wheat and barley. Like there's big, I don't know what they're called. Those giant track, John Deere tractors that like actually mow the wheat down. Um, got a photograph from say Shutterstock, modified a little bit to give them what they wanted, and then added some elements in there, and then imported it in the mid journey, and then had wrote prompts over it, and it created a whole entire scene mm. with the tractor with dust and stuff like all this atmospheric quality. That if you were to illustrate something like that, we're talking a good forty hours. We did it in four minutes. Wow. I mean, that's just us talking and then us inputting. The, the, the spit it out takes 30 seconds, but then you have to write the stuff in and, and, and bash up what you want. So you can do text, just text like, hi, I'm looking for, a, you know, a sneaker that is modern, futuristic, made of plastic bubbles with a silver sheen that's unisex and that will sell in the Asian market. And you can keep refining and tweaking, but you'll get something really nice out of the gate. And then you may say, oh, okay, what kind of packaging go with this? You might come with a package designed to wrap it that is in a box. It might come in like a cocoon type material. And then you can say, I, I want this to be eco-friendly. And next you know, it's like, okay, it's bamboo and it has a bamboo vibe to it. Like, hmm. now is someone like Nike or Adidas gonna buy that? I don't know, but I think it's really creative. It is the future of like, if you were just trying to sketch up yourself, you never went, never went that direction. You went more like, 
expected. Okay, it has to be a box, it has to be nine by 12. We got packaging space, room skews are like, you can fit nine boxes in a, in a row. It has to be nine inches by 12 inches, right? And there's a whole process behind that thinking with how packaging may affect where it's being delivered in a supermarket or Macy's or whatever stores, wherever you're at. Uh, the shelf space is like crucial. Right. And people usually have good good shelf space, as you know, they pay for it on top of like having their product there. Uh, I forget the name of the terminology they use. Uh, it's called NCAPs or something like that. Yeah, there's, there's all sorts of there's all sorts of it's there's planograms and there's NCAPs and there's different retail space and shelf space and. But you're right. I mean, all of that is taken into consideration. And you know, imagine if you're ideating, the the human brain is limited to what it already knows, and so you're going to, I mean, you can, you can creatively put piece together stuff, but it can't actually extrapolate anything beyond what's already inside of it. And so, you know, I think as you're talking and I'm thinking about AI and I've just, I've only really got a couple questions left for you. We've, we've been talking for 26 minutes. It's crazy. Oh, uh, I'm going to have the Skinwalker Ranch this weekend. Maybe we can get a beer. <laughs> we should do it. Um, but you know, as 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 you're kind of talking about this, I'm even thinking about some of the ways in which variable data printing has come in. And so, imagine if you were to uh, ideate around like this beer label idea, and and you go into Mid Journey and you create this beautiful thing, and then you put that into like the HP software to create an, a unique, you know, a mosaic of different colors where every single beer label is different um or if right. ai can can generate all those images and then every image goes to an hp press then it gets printed it gets die cut and you create this wonderful experience using both digital print technology variable printing along with ai along with the designer i think that's kind of the the next logical step it's yeah it's just a, it's just a tool that's all right. it's another tool it's like using adobe illustrator you're using whether it's Leonardo AI or Midjourney, et cetera, uh, it's another tool. But I can tell you right now, it is it, like I can write. I just created a movie script the other day. Where we, I'm, I'm coming up with a childhood idea I had. I don't get any give out any information. I don't want to steal my idea because it's priceless. Right? Well, that's what, what I think in my head. Well, <laughs> I had this idea since I was a kid. I always wanted to produce, create something. Uh, I wrote the basic gist of what I, I want to do down, and I put it in the chat GDP. It wrote me an entire movie script, a synopsis, everything. Within five minutes, I had a full entire movie. And I went back and I kept going and flushing it out. Like, hey, I would like to add this to the scene. Here's my characters. Here's your protagonist, et cetera. And like, give me a formula for what a, a movie producer would accept as a movie script. It told me the type fonts to use. Use Courier. It has to have an X amount of characters per page. Don't do that. Don't do it. Like it, it told me if I had to go to some producer or someone ask, like, Hey, I have, an, I have a movie idea, right? I, I, I know nothing about movie that what the procurement is or how you would create a movie. I, I, I figured this all out in under 10 minutes. And within a weekend, I have an entire movie script. And then with mid journey, I'm building all my scenes, right? Which is what I want to produce. And that's just one thing. I, I would never been able to have the time or the effort or resources or know anyone to do it. It did it for me. Yeah. And like you were saying with other designers, we only know what we know from other people and what we learn. The AI is using your input, my input, millions right. of people, millions of people around the world and putting them all together. So you're basically getting 
everyone's thought process put into it. Yep. Um, oh. And before we go, there's one thing I'd recommend for anyone to listen that really wants to understand creativity and this AI thing is there's this uh, great filmmaker. He does a lot of stuff on YouTube called Kirby Ferguson. His latest video is called AI and the image of image generation. Everything is a re it's basically everything's a remix. So everything we think we created or it's our own, it's really someone else's on, layered on top of each other. It is he's a lot of the stuff with Star Wars and all that stuff. But this the latest one with AI was out like I guess in March or April of last this year is if you if you want to understand your place in this world, especially creatively, regardless of what creative endeavor you're doing, you're a designer, a package designer, a, a motion designer, et cetera. This will tell you everything you need to know about AI in a nutshell. This guy brilliantly tells stories about it and he's nailed it. Talks about the fears, the hopes, the aspirations, what we need to be mindful of. Cool. I'll make sure that there's a link down there to uh, Kirby Ferguson's YouTube page. Uh, Michael, how do people get in touch with you? How do they get in touch with Exhilarate and yourself? What's the best way for them to reach out? Don't use AI to Google me. That's number one. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I'm in a, we're exhilarate. Uh, and then uh, my uh, my experimental kind of AI design stuff, I have an Instagram account just dedicated just to that. And that's midjourneyism. So it's just at midjourneyism. That's M-I-D journey I-S-M, like ism. Got it. Uh, there I have, you know, I, over the last year I put up like thousands of like image series and now I'm experimenting with video and and AI like the, the image the video generation stuff and start that this week cool um, there and then I'm at exhilarate exhilarate.com you can want to take a little work to make sure that we're not some uh slop shop <laughs> uh well exhilarate it's with that we got rid of the e it's just x-h-i-l-a-r-a-t-e.com got it well, I'll make sure those are all put in there. Um, I I appreciate that we could talk about AI as a basketball fan. We could talk about AI with somebody from Philly so that I can officially make my Allen Iverson joke. But, um, Michael, I, I appreciate you being here. Um, I love that you're not even here. This was just an interview with an AI uh, deep fake of yourself that you put oh, out on, onto, onto the video. So, um, you know, if you want to if you want to interact with uh, the real the real real. Michael McDonald. No, it's actually him. This was not. Yeah, but I'm not. No, you can't say it because then I think I'm the singer from the Doobie Brothers. Right? I get that. I've been getting that my whole life. Like because I am Michael McDonald, but not the Michael McDonald with all the riches and fame of the singer. Yeah, that's a little bit before my time, and there's probably some people on here who are oh, listening. Oh, I, I get it every day from um, young, even young people. I'm shocked by. I get like Generation Z, Y's, uh, and I don't know. They just popped out their belly and they start singing Michael. And I didn't. I really don't know the guys. You know, before my time, but now. I'm like his brother from another mother. Perfect. Uh, what's the uh, um, the the quote from Office Space? Um, there was no, uh, Michael Bolton, and he's like, uh, "Why don't you just go by Mike?" And he says, "Why should I change my name?" Uh, you know, basically, like everything was good to that no talent ass clown started winning Grammys or something like that. It's a great, <laughs> it's a great quote. Uh, but I'm sure Mike, I'm sure you know Michael Bolton is. Maybe on par. I don't really know. I don't know my classic rock like I probably should. So I, I don't. That's not, I'm not, that's not my genre. Apologies to everybody. Uh, but uh, well, Michael, this yeah, you is probably lost about, you probably lost half your following. I probably lost zero of it. I don't know how many people are near listening to Doobie Brothers, although they might be. I don't know. It's it tends to skew a little bit younger crowd on the podcast format. But 
you know, who knows? There's probably I'm probably gonna get some feedback. It might yeah, let everyone know that like not to follow. I'm not mugging it down with like four million followers on YouTube singing songs with a gray beard and white hair. It's not not yet. Not yet. Not yet. I'm I'm a couple years behind that. Got it. Got it. Well, I appreciate it, Michael. Thanks for coming on. Everyone, make sure to connect up. Um, exhilarate.com, Instagram at midjourneyism. I have all the links down there. Uh, thanks so much. Please make sure to like and rate and subscribe and do all this stuff. And we'll keep bringing you some cool, fun packaging content like this. And maybe, maybe we'll, uh, maybe we'll have episode two live drinking a beer from Skinwalker Ranch in Utah. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how that one goes. But I appreciate you coming on, Michael. Thank you so much. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Adam. Have a great day. Hey, congrats. You made it to the end of the podcast. If you're looking for more great podcast material in the packaging industry, please check out Sustainable Packaging with Corey Connors and the newly redesigned Package Unboxed with Avelio Matos. Go find them wherever you listened to this podcast. Thanks, everybody.